Hello and welcome to episode 578 of Monster Kid Radio, the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not-so-classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm your writer, host, producer, Derek M. Cook. Welcome to this week's episode. Now, this past weekend was Monster Bash, summer 2022. I did not go, but a lot of y'all did, including Kenny from all Mexico. Kenny took some time to recap and review his Monster Batch experience this week, and that's what we're doing this week on the show. You're going to hear me talk with Kenny about all the fun stuff he did at Monster Bash, and view it as kind of like a, a preview, because I do have some audio coming from other listeners from the Bash that we're going to be playing over the next, I don't know, few weeks, I suppose. It depends on how much content I get, but I know I have at least one bit of audio that we're going to be playing next week here on the show. So this is part one of our Monster Bash coverage, even though I wasn't there. What music are we playing this week? Well, this is a song by Chris Yeworth and the Bolton McQueens. Why are we playing this this week? Well, I know it's not surf music. However, Chris Yeworth is somebody who was at the most recent Monster Bash. And you know what? You're going to learn more about why I decided to play this song during the conversation with Kenny. We've played this on the show once before, back when we covered The Blob, but, you know, it just felt like it was time to play the song again. You will hear the song in its entirety with lyrics at the end of this episode, so stay tuned for that. Mark Maxke's also here this week because it wouldn't be a week of Monster Kid Radio without some ultra action. And I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. It's Ultra 7. 7. 7. 7. I can't help myself. I love Ultra 7. So that's coming up on this episode of Monster Kid Radio as well. Also, turns out the monsters in the machine have dropped the ball doing their job. The voicemail line for Monster Kid Radio, it's kaput. It's gone. It got deleted. Actually, I think what happened was just due to inactivity. It got deleted by Google, and Google never let me know, or let the monsters in the machine know. I'm still going to blame them. So we now have a brand new voicemail number. I will try to update the website, but it will be in this week's show notes. Area code 360-524-2484. 360-524-2484. I wanted to get something kind of clever, have it spell something out, but... Doesn't look like Google lets you do that anymore, or at least I couldn't figure it out. So that's the new number for Monster Kid Radio. If you have any feedback for this episode or anything else about Monster Kid Radio or just monster movies in general, heck, maybe you went to Monster Bash and you want to call in your own thoughts about the event, that's how you would do it. Of course, you can also email me at monsterkidradio at gmail.com. Let's go ahead and get into the rest of this show. We get to Mark Metzke's Beta Capsule Review, the conversation with Kenny. Let's go. amazing adventure since the beginning of time. Dinosaurus! 
For these people, there could only be shock and dismay. For who among them could believe that out of the primordial slime had come these creatures? The huge Brontosaurus, the ferocious Tyrannosaurus, even a primitive caveman. Panic-stricken, horrified, did they have the courage, the ingenuity to survive? How do we get word out, hacker? Mailboat will be in tomorrow morning. By tomorrow, we could all be dead. We are going to be friends, you and me. Sights never before seen on the screen. A 60-ton dinosaur tamed by a small boy and a caveman. A caveman loose in a modern home. The death duel of the dinosaurs. A girl caught by the dread Tyrannosaurus. The battle between giant monster and monster machine. The moat of fire. It's holding him. Yeah, but for how long? It's all new. The creature walks among us, more terrifying in human form. Striking at the heart of the city with inhuman fury. The creature walks among us. Horror unleashed by the daring of man and a dangerous experiment of science. Fire burned away the outer scale. There's a structure of human skin underneath it. The creature walks among us. The grimmest cargo ever brought to civilization. Now a monster made even more frightful by human emotion. Boss Merle Oberon, Lex Barker in The Price of Fear. Two great thrill pictures on one program. Nothing can stop it. The Blob. Starring Steve McQueen. It creeps. It crawls. It's slithery. It's slimy. The Blob. Plus Dinosaurus, both in shrieking color. Live from the land of light in Nebula M78, home of the mighty Ultra Heroes, it's Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review. fortune teller with genuine psychic powers is on the run from alien assassins at the beginning of Ultra 7 episode 23, Search for Tomorrow. Pursued and nearly run down by truck, Yasui, the unfortunate fortune teller, is rescued by the Ultra Guard and given shelter at TDF headquarters. There, he demonstrates his abilities using a crystal ball and foresees the explosion of Warehouse 3, an important TDF munitions facility, along with the landing of a flying saucer in the countryside. Captain Kiriyama, while sympathetic toward Yasui and respectful of his abilities, declines his request to stay at TDF, a decision that will come back to haunt him when the psychic is finally abducted. The shadow aliens subject Yasui to torturous experiments to learn the extent of his powers, concluding that he poses a legitimate threat, since he can anticipate every step of their invasion plan. Meanwhile, feeling personally responsible for Yasui's kidnapping, Captain Kiriyama asks for and is granted a one-day leave to conduct his own investigation into the fortune teller's disappearance. 
When Dan intervenes in his search, the Ultra Guard tracks down the alien shadow flying saucer using new technology, and after a gun battle with the invaders, Dan transforms into Ultra 7. This appears to force the release of Yasui, but Alien Shadow has a wicked surprise in store that even the Eye Slugger can't stop. Search for Tomorrow leans into the gritty, avant-garde aesthetic pioneered by director Akio Jisaji, using creative camera angles to interest the viewer. The episode is overseen by Samaji Nonagase, who doesn't push the visuals as far as Jisaji, but nevertheless crafts some memorable sequences. Among them, the opening chase scene in which Yasui looks incredibly close to the grill of that truck, the shadow torture chamber, which anticipates alien abduction lore, and the closing battle that takes a rather heady turn. The true strength of episode 23, however, is the time it devotes to the ever-honorable Captain Kiriyama as portrayed by Shoji Nakayama. Nakayama gives the character a well-rounded and mature presence at turns forceful, decisive, protective, and humorous, and always bound by duty. His open-mindedness towards Yasui's extrasensory abilities adds another layer to an already robust persona, whose leadership can even inspire an ultra-brother. For Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review, this is Mark Matsky reporting. space is a picture that you'll long remember for its blending of science and fiction, for its eerie terror, and for its story of an invasion from another planet that's almost beyond imagining. I tell you, from its size and its appearance, this thing came from outer space. I even have reason to believe that there's some form of life in it. What do you want? What are you doing? Let me see you as you really are. House of Wax, the ultimate dimension in terror, comes to the screen in Stereovision 3D. Vincent Price, at his diabolical best, will take you room by terrible room on a journey to the ultimate chamber of horrors. Stereovision 3D will synthesize before your eyes the terrifying reality of it all. In Stereovision 3D, House of Wax is more than a movie. It's an experience you'll never forget.
you know, listeners, I don't know if he's going to be doing a segment this week or not because he's actually going to be on the show. I'm talking about Kenny from all Mexico. How's it going, Kenny? Doing pretty good. Just got back from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, my ex hometown. Oh, <laughs> so jealous. So jealous. I've been watching Facebook all weekend, and so many of my friends were at Monster Bash have, having a good time. I didn't see anybody post any pictures where it didn't look like I'd be smiling along with them. Just everybody looked like they were having a, a blast. Even if it was a little different, different hotel, smaller venue. I heard some things were a little different than normal, but, you know, it still looked like a good time. And you, sir, yeah. a couple of pictures of you even popped up. Yep. It, it was like you were having it was fun, a, It was a good time. It was different. Every bash is different from the last one, and the, and, and the first ones always seem the most special. But this one had its moments, and I did have a good time. I enjoyed it. I the one interesting thing about the hotel, um, it, it's a bigger as far as it has more rooms than the other hotels they have, apparently, because we did not fill it up. So there was a lot of, like, normal people. <laughs> so we're all, all the Monster Bashers, are, we're doing our thing. You walk in the lobby, there's the Monster Bash, there's a big Frankenstein model right there, you know, and, and, there's all, and we're all wearing our shirts and we're all dressed up, you know. And there's all these normal people looking at us. Sure. <laughs> so we felt like the nerds back in high school again. You know? <laughs> oh no! And there was like there was like a, a team, like a sports team there of young boys, you know. And and I walked in, and um, and they were in the gym in the fitness area. And I was like, oh, I'm going to see what they have. Maybe I'll do something in the mornings. And I walk in there, and all these these young guys are like, Oh, look, it's the Monster Bash. And I was like, What am I? I'm back in high school again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so no. I went running screaming, but it was fun. We, we had a good time. And, and then and there was people that were like very, you know, interested in us and, you know, and, and asking us questions and you know, making good comments. So it was it was interesting because that's like really the first bash where I felt like we are not alone here. <laughs> you know, that's true. So the few t I mean, I've been to Monster Bash a handful of times now. And every time I go, we've taken over the hotel. Mm -hmm. You know, the beginning and the end of the event, there's a few stragglers, but for the most part, we've taken it over. Mm -hmm. And you're not the first person that I've heard say that, that it was not a complete bash takeover. So that's interesting. I wonder, I wonder what kind of stories the non-bashers well, like. Yeah. <laughs> At one point, and I think it was like Saturday night, like an entire wedding came in and one of the, and what? one of the elevators broke. So... <laughs> It was interesting to see all these people dressed to the nines and all of us dressed like monster kids, you know, oh, <laughs> intermingling man. with everybody. So it was, it was something else, <laughs> but, but it wow. was, it was, it made it, it made it different and interesting to say the least. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it. Did you go for the entire event? All yes, three days? I did. I in fact, I I got there Thursday evening and uh, checked out a little bit of the movies that they show at the beginning. And a lot of people were here early, and where there was a lot of people sitting around talking. And um, so I was, I came in and chatted a little bit and watched a little bit of the movies, and and went up and got ready for the the big day to start, the first full day on Friday. So they did show movies. That's good to yeah. know. Um, yeah, so for listeners who don't know, the way Monster Bash is usually set up, there's 
like a, a pre-show movie room. And I think maybe, at least in the previous events that I've been to, previous badges I've been to, there might be a room set up with some vendor stuff, but it's strictly like Monster Bash, creepy classic specific stuff as everybody else is loading in and all that. Enough to kind of keep you entertained until the real show starts the following day. So that's cool to know that they're at least still showing films. Yeah, and I, well, I went, that was one thing I did right the first off is, you know, Creepy Classics had it set up, and then uh, some of the Monster Bashers, like Monster Bash staff, they bring, like, their secondhand items. So they have almost like a little garage sale around the Creepy Classics mm-hmm. uh, room. And it, it was interesting in this particular hotel, the Creepy Classics section was was pretty was larger than it has been in the past. It was much more roomy. Uh-huh. Oh, really? And then okay. and then they had these a lot of guys. And I found some nice things. I bought a Valley of Guanji comic book, uh, you know, from 1969 for three dollars. It wasn't you know mint quality, but it was like uh, it was good enough to look through it. You know, have fun with that. I bought a, a the Flash series from the 1990 Flash series for five dollars. So I found a couple good deals there. And then uh, and I and then. One of the things I was looking for and I found and I bought right off was a, a complete thriller, Boris Karloff's thriller. I've seen a handful of episodes. You've played some on the Twitch stream, and um, but never really had the opportunity to see them all. So I was like, I want to see this. And the last couple of bashes, I haven't been able to find it, but they had it. And I was like, I'm going to get this before someone else gets it. <laughs> so I picked that up and then um, and the Santo movies, the uh, Blu-rays that came out. So. Oh, good. So, so I did some shopping right off the bat. <laughs> oh, right on. It was it was easy to do. <laughs> they well, were kind of impulse buys, but I that was fun to do that before it gets too crowded. <laughs> movies Thursday night, and then Friday you were off and running. Yeah, so I have it set up here. I'm going to go through this kind of chronologically and just give you some highlights that uh, that I attended. So first off is, and this is pretty traditional, uh, they they show a movie, uh, an old documentary from the 60s about monster movies. And then after that, their first guest that they have is uh, Cortland Hole, who is the great nephew of Henry Hole, and uh, Bill Diamond, who's a puppeteer, and they produce documentaries. And Cortland Hole runs a museum in Connecticut. So they always do a presentation, and they showed some uh, documentaries. He had an interesting little documentary on Christopher Lee and that was it was an interesting presentation uh, Bill Diamond brings out this puppet called Gorgo and he tells some jokes and so that was fun and it's a it's one of those things every every time I see it it's like oh, I got to get up to Connecticut I have to get up to Connecticut to see this museum because it's and they're making it better and better uh, bigger and bigger so it was it was an interesting uh, presentation that they had uh, the next event that I went to they showed uh, dinosaurus and um af- after that they had uh the son of the writer producer of that who is chris yeaworth oh i'm so glad he was there i know he's been having some health issues that's great yes it, and and it was kind of sad because he's basically he was basically saying this is his swan song and he was very talkative and did his normal thing talking about you know his dad and the blob and and uh, he, he gave a good presentation he was sitting sitting in a wheelchair but he basically told us you know he's in the fourth stage of pancreatic cancer so um and he was a lot thinner than i remember him the last time i saw him at the bash 
So, uh, but it was it was neat to see him. His presentation was very interesting. He's a good storyteller, and um, so uh, I enjoyed that. And he was telling stories about Steve McQueen and um, different stars that he worked with. And he was like a session musician, and even had you know times with Elvis and stuff like that. So very interesting talk. Nice. And he was it was enjoyable. But it's also kind of bittersweet thinking, you know, this might be the last time that we'll see yeah. him. So after that uh, was the Golden Voyage of Sinbad, being a Harryhausen fan. So you must have loved I, that. <laughs> uh, I could not be seen leaving during that, so I had to watch that. <laughs> well, I had to suffer through that again. Oh, darn. <laughs> <laughs> the problem I have watching that with an audience is when the Cali scene comes up, what I love to do is I love to get up and I pretend to be Callie, I pretend to be Sinbad, and I pretend to be Milkless Rosa all at the same time. So I'm conducting music, I'm fighting like a six-armed statue and I'm fighting like Sinbad and I'm <laughs> dancing around with that music and that scene. To me, it's one of, uh, it. I struggle not to say that's my all-time favorite Harryhausen sequence. Wow. The, the, the fight with the, I mean, the skeleton fight, fantastic. And I love the music in that too. I love every part of that. But the, the Cali fight, and the music for that, I, I think that musical cut from that is like my favorite music cut of any Harryhausen film. And, um, you know, Miklos Rosa is an interesting uh, uh, music person, but if you, I've seen his, he's, he did noir movies in the uh -huh. 50s, epics and all that, but you can always tell that's Miklos Rosa because he uses kind of the same themes over and over. He did not have the variety that Bernard Herrmann did and changing the orchestration and stuff like that. But that one cut from that Cali scene is just something else. And I just want, and I want to be singing it and humming it. And it's like, there are people around me. They're not going to want me, you know, hear me, you know, done, 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 you know, doing the whole thing, you know, because <laughs> it is so, ah, it's so cool. But I enjoy it. It was enjoyable watching it. It was probably my 10th, 15th, between 10th and 15th time watching it. And I come from the day when it was like, if it would come on TV, it was like you you turn your life around, and that's you were gonna be there for that. Mm -hmm. And um, and then now I own it, and it sits on my shelf gathering dust. But it was fun to watch it with a crowd. And of course, they put that on right before the next big event, which was Caroline Monroe. And oh. so she she had her panel, and sweet as ever, and just had a, a nice uh, talk. You know, the standard questions. How, how was like working with Christopher Lee? How was like working with Peter Cushing? And she was just so kind as she always is and just so lovely. And um, and then very, very appreciative of us as fans. And, and one of the cool things about this bash, and I'll talk more about her later, is that she just got involved. She, she says she loves coming to Monster Bash, that it is her favorite. And you get that sense because all during the show, she was getting involved in the different things that were happening. And I'll talk more about that as we get into those events. But um, it was wonderful to see her again. I, I, I was uh, the first time that I saw her uh, was her first convention that she went to, which was in Pittsburgh, 1979. So wow. she was 30 and I was 15. And. <laughs> So this this time I went and I got a picture with her, and she's very generous. Like, uh, you know, most 
the, the people that were there, uh, one guy was charging 40, the other group was charging 50 for photo ops. He only charges $10 for a photo op, which is like, wow, wow. you know, you know, so again, that's a sign that she's there for the money. She's there. She wants to be there to me. Mm-hmm. She could easily charge more and people would pay, but she only charged 10. So I, I got a picture with her. And I told her that story of my first time. So my first time that I met her, um, w- w- we were in the hotel lobby, my dad and I, and she walked in and my dad was like, oh, wow, she is something else. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and a 15-year-old, you know how the hormones are going, you know. And I go, and so I get in line when she starts her photo ops. And I get in line, and I get up to her, and, and I'm going to get my picture and she puts her arm around me, but she just doesn't, you know, just like a little light touch. She pulls me into her. Oh. And, and I told her, I said, at that moment, you made this 15-year-old boy fall in love with you, you know? Oh. <laughs> and I, 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 I left that convention with a stack of photos, and I had a wall of Caroline Monroe. Oh, man. Uh, until, I was, uh, until I was in the college. But, uh, yeah, and it was just, she's just the sweetheart and it was a she had a good panel talk and it was fun seeing her again oh wow so what was next i skipped a couple things um so the next thing that i went to was the mummy's tomb so it'd been a while since i'd seen universal mummy movie so uh, i watched that one and and it was interesting the person who i think it was ron who it presented is like people will say why why some people say mummy's tomb is their favorite but there's so many flashbacks there's flashbacks from the mummy and there's flashbacks from the mummy's hand and then it's, it has its own stuff but and then he said well the thing is you're getting three mummy movies in one the best of the mummy the best of the mummy's hand and the new stuff <laughs> so yeah and it's a, sh- a short quick movie and it was fun and then after that and one of my favorite things one of the things that really makes going to the bash worthwhile since my first bash is uh the talks with the authors and uh, the first one was with frank delostrito and i love frank delostrito oh he's in great fact, yeah in, in fact i was trying to uh inspire people to vote for him to get into the hall of fame the other author that comes uh greg mank um he was there too and he he was he's in the hall of fame the rondo awards hall of fame but Frank isn't. And I was like, why is this? <laughs> so I kind of got on a soapbox and actually talked to him a little bit. I saw him around and I was telling him, I'm t- I was the guy, because he was like thanking me for doing that on Facebook. And uh, so I had a little talk with him about that. But his presentation was on the Mummy movies. And, okay. Um, you would have loved this, Derek. It was fantastic. He, you, he went through all the Mummy movies he was comparing them, talking about the history of them, and then comparing how they were. Uh, and that includes the Universal, the Hammer ones, and he threw in the Pharaoh's Curse too. Oh. So, and he and he just had you know interesting stories, a really well done uh, uh, PowerPoint, and it, it was also kind of like a plug for his newest book, which is a fiction book. But he, what he does is he synthesizes all of the mummy movies, all of the mummy stories, and makes one story around them, yeah. if I understood him. And I, I'm going to be honest, I'm not a super mummy fan. The foot dragging, you know, it's easy to run away from monster. <laughs> Never thrilled me like a wolf man did. But his 
he made it interesting. He made it, he, he just did a really good job at sharing, you know, and one of the interesting things, like the writer of The Mummy was the same guy who wrote Dracula, and he just went through all the ways that they're exactly the same. Yeah. Like, you know, it was basically the same story. Even the same and, music, um, even Swan mm, Lake to open the thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was one of his points too. So, uh, and it was just, and it was well presented with a great PowerPoint. And, um, that was, that was really one of the highlights for me. It's, and it always is uh, Frank's talk. So this, this attention to detail. If you think you're a monster kid into the details, um, when you meet Frank De La Street, you realize uh, I'm not quite that much of a monster kid. Oh no! <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, but but it's fascinating. You know, he, he doesn't he doesn't make it seem like oh he, what a nerd. He's like this guy is so cool. You know, <laughs> I want to be like Frank. So that was that was the next thing. Then after that was one another one of the things that I really like and enjoy. Um, it doesn't seem overly monsterly. But it's just they're trying to capture the time, just like with you and your surf music uh-huh. on the Monster Kid Radio. They always have the band, the bash band. Yep. And um, and I always enjoy them. They they had some of their standards like well, Werewolves of London, but with a catch. This year, they all wore Wolfman masks. So they were like these little cheesy masks. <laughs> it was funny. And and uh, Kevin Slick, uh, a faithful Monster Kid radio head. Mm-hmm. He was complaining how all the hair was going in his mouth. It's hard to say with this thing, <laughs> but, <laughs> but they and um, and they added some. They had some new songs. They had a couple songs from the '80s, which I appreciated. I love the oldies. I'm I'm a '50s '60s guy. I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. I kind of skipped the '70s when I was young, but when I got into the '80s, I I became an '80s music fan. And they played a, a song by the Cars. I was surprised, but it, that was fun. Oh wow! So so that was good. Now. This is my first uh, Caroline Monroe getting involved. She had mentioned during her panel talk that she has she was a dead album. Someone asked her, "Well, yeah, I heard that you did some uh, uh, records, you know, or some singles." Sure. And she shared about that, and she was kind of embarrassed, and it wasn't that good and all that. But in the middle of that, she said she would be willing to sing. So they brought her up, and she did a. A duet with Mark Sattler, who's a singer who does the Monster Bash song. Oh. But he, he came up and she did a, a, a song, uh, Blue Moon, but a, like a slow version of Blue Moon. And it was a duet. And it was very nice to see her up there on the stage singing. So that's that awesome. Was, that was the Bash band. The next after that was the Mexican monster night, the Mexican movie night. Oh, I, and, I know you were there for that. Yeah. Um, it was a Nostradamus movie called, in English, The Genie of Darkness. Um, I was kind of getting to the end. By that time, uh, the it was getting pretty late. Because, you know, they always end up being late. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it was kind of a bittersweet thing too because uh, it was the first bash that i've been to that bob cotter wasn't there who was always the person who introduced it you know a guy from pittsburgh a super pittsburgh guy never been to mexico but loves mexican movies and knows more about them than i ever will knew more about them than ever will he passed away not too long ago maybe a year or so ago Um, but they had a new a new guy uh, tom shibula who is a monster bash 
staff member, a younger guy, mm-hmm. and he did a really good job. And I talked with him, and I, I said, maybe I'm going to resurrect Santa Tito, little character thing I do. Yeah? Um, I haven't done that for a while, but I thought, I think we could have, I could uh, might resurrect that if I get a chance to go again. So, but that was the end of my Friday. I didn't make it to the movie. I was n- nodding off. I did have an interesting talk with a guy next to me. He came in, um, the gentleman, he had, and he had a stack of Famous Monsters magazines. Well, that makes it easy. <laughs> and so we were. T- I was telling him a, bit, a little bit about what I do for Monster Kid Radio and yeah. what issues I had and what issues he was, because he was like filling out his collection. Nice. And, um, so I had a little good talk with that guy. Okay, so the next day, we're going to move on to Saturday. Uh, I skipped the cartoons, but went in to see a TV show they were showing. That the idea fascinated me. It was a Thunderbird show, and the episode. Oh, okay. The episode was called "Attack of the Alligators," and it didn't really fit in with any theme or any guest. But someone had mentioned it to Ron, and Ron saw it. Ron Adams, the the director of Monster Bash. And said, "This is so cool," and it was. <laughs> it was, you know, there's the Thunderbird puppets, and there was these alligators, and they used real alligators. And and just to think how complicated it is, they had a swamp set, and this big mansion, and the alligators were destroying the mansion, and the puppets are getting are inside, and everything's falling. And it was just, it's like to think how difficult. And I and I I felt the same way I do when I watch a kaiju movie. These all look like toys, but boy, are they ever cool toys! You know? <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was uh, it was really a lot of fun with to see these alligators, live alligators that they were using, and how they were able to edit them in and 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 have them interact with these puppets. And um, it was a pretty good. So, um, if you like the uh, Jerry Anderson uh, puppet shows, mm-hmm. uh, look that one up. Attack of the Alligators. Thunderbirds episode, and I and another thing I got a kick out of the first Thunderbird that they mentioned his name Scott Tracy, and that of course remind me of our good friend Scott. Who were there? And, yeah, they were there, <laughs> and I told them I said, "Oh, I was watching the Thunderbirds, and there, you know, that first guy they mentioned is Scott Tracy, and it made me think of you guys." <laughs> <laughs> so the next thing up on the schedule was an episode of the land of the lost. Okay. When I came out, when that thing came out, I was a youngster, probably eight or nine years old, super dinosaur fan. Mm -hmm. And that was like the most exciting thing to have on a Saturday morning. Hand stop motion animated dinosaurs. Oh, I thought, yeah, that was right there with you, man. Yeah, <laughs> and it was it was fun watching an episode again. That you know, I I they're kind of hard to swallow for me these days, but it was it was fun. It was a good episode that they chose to run, and the reason they showed that is that the next panel, the first guests for Saturday were Kathy Coleman and Wesley Err, who are Marshall. Will and Holly. <laughs> I have yeah. to go through the song <laughs> not to mix up Water Show and Will. So Will and Holly from the show and another just wonderful uh couple. They're not a couple they're not a married couple, they're just friends. <laughs> but they were really good at, at presenting their panel, telling funny stories. They led us we all sang the Land of Lost theme and um and they were they were funny 
and informative, and it was it was a really enjoyable pa- panel. Now I remember I've been to the Star Trek Las Vegas convention a couple times, mm-hmm. and they're always there. They don't do a panel, you know, and you, the reason they're there is that some of the writers of Land of the Lost, especially David Gerald, um, who was the writer of Trouble of Triples, mm-hmm. you know, there's like a Star Trek connection there. But y'all, I always would walk by them, and they'd be they'd be like begging people to come to their table, and and just and you know please you know talk to us you know. And I was I'm always uh, apprehensive. Was like I'm not gonna pay you any money for anything. I don't I like Land of the Lost, but I don't want to I don't want to spend my money on Land of the Lost. So I I feel nervous about talking with people sure. when I'm not gonna when I'm not gonna say oh I'll buy this from you. So I'd always be like, but it was. But here at Monster Bash, they were loved, and they had people at their table, and they were they had a raft set up, and their photo op was getting into the raft, oh. and then they they would everyone would shout, ah, just like in the theme. So during the whole Monster Bash, and they, and their thing was set up right next to the door for the movie event room, but all during the Monster Bash, you're hearing, ah. Ah, because they were doing photo ops, and then and I and I think they were truly honest when they looked across the panel, and it's ten thirty in the morning, and and the crowd it was was pretty packed, it was pretty filled up, and they were like, this is the biggest panel discussion we've ever done, oh. you know, and it, it was really nice, and it was the crowd was excited, they had good questions, and um, and they were very very nice people. Um, That's good. And, and it was a nice panel, and I think it was their first time. And I won't be surprised that they come back because it was. Uh, they seem to be quite popular. And then the next thing that I went to um, Saturday afternoons was uh, Zach Ito, who is Zach Ito. Oh, okay, okay. It, normally they would do his thing late at night, like after the the uh, Saturday yeah. drive-in movie. And I'm glad they tried to do it. They did it in the afternoon because I'm usually like trying not to fall asleep during his event. But he's just amazing. Um, now he's showing his age a little bit because he's. I think he's struggling to memorize everything because he memorizes an hour worth of Bram Stoker and Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. But he was he was doing some reading. But of course it was interesting. And again, for the second time, Caroline Monroe came up and got involved. She read a part. She acted. And so we've seen her sing. And now we saw her act with Zach Zito. And he did a, uh, a part, uh, a thing from uh, Dracula's Guest by Bram Stoker. Oh, nice. And a, couple, and a couple of Edgar Allan Poe, uh, Allan Poe poems. And so that, and he's always, he's also just a, a kind, nice gentleman. And uh, it was a lot of fun seeing him again. Next up. Again, one of my favorite things, my highlights, the author's talks. And so the next up was Greg Mank. And he had a presentation about the mummy, the 1932 mummy, the then two other movies from 1932, Rasputin and the Empress, and The Mask of Fu Manchu. Now, I don't Ooh. know if in your rally awards for 1932 that you included Rasputin and the Empress, but he was making the presentation that that was actually like a horror film. Okay. 
It's like, in, in fact, in the on the in the guide, it says more of a horror film than many people realize, and in fact, one of the most horrific of 1932. I don't know if you guys included it in the rally no, awards. I'm not familiar with it at all. And it's I I've seen a film and it is it's well done and it's and the, uh, Rasputin is pretty crazy. He's played by Lionel Barrymore, and John Barrymore is in the movie and Ethel Barrymore. So it was the only movie with all three of the famous Barrymore family. Are you sure it, it wasn't Lionel Atwell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was Lionel Atwell and um and John Zuko. <laughs> <laughs> Why do no, I always and, mix them up? All right. Uh, so, and it, his his talk was not quite as well organized as Frank Dillis. I'm going to be honest. In the battle of the uh, uh, presenting authors, for me, Frank Delestrito won it out this year. But ah. it was interesting. He gave a lot of little stories about the different movies, little anecdotes. And then, you know, talking about the mask of Fu Manchu and the mummy kind of, he kind of, Went, he didn't talk too much about The Mummy because Frank had already done it. So I don't know if they didn't coordinate or what, but it was still a good talk. And the reason he was talking about it is that his movies were what is uh, their 90th anniversary. Sure. So he was and just talking about their um, their place in the history of cinema and all that. So it was, it was interesting. It was good. But I think Frank won this year. <laughs> my opinion. That's just my opinion. All right. So the next thing that came up 6 p.m. I was there for a episode of One Step Beyond. Nice. I know that the Twitch we see those frequently on the Twitch stream, but um, this episode was the premonition, which featured our next star, Beverly Washburn. She's great. So, That's awesome. Yeah, and Beverly Washburn was in this episode, and uh, she was like in half the movie, and then. It switched to an older version, but she was a, a young girl and um, very interesting performance and showed her ability to cry on cue, which is her claim to fame. And then the Q&A with her, again, just a wonderful lady. And it was just an, a really nice time uh, hearing her stories. And then you know, sometimes I get frustrated with the questions that are asked because it's always what was it like working with this person? What was it like working with that person? Instead yeah. of, what did you feel? Why did you, you know, I always try to get a, ask a question to get them to talk about themselves and or something, some aspect. You know, I, in fact, I asked her, you know, what her, her parents, what her family thought of Spider Baby when it finally came out. It, like, it was delayed release. And they were like, oh, they were always supportive, you know, and my mother didn't care. You know, so okay. <laughs> I thought that, that movie is so strange yeah, yeah. <laughs> for that time. So, um, so it was a really nice chat and, and she just, and it, it, what it did is it's like, Oh, I want to buy her book cause I want to read her story. Yeah. And she, she did a good job at making us feel good. And I, I want to buy her book. And she said, well, I sold out all my books. Oh, oh no. Buy her book. So I'll have to, I'll have to go and find it <laughs> somewhere. All right. So and of course she's been in so many she was in so many things and had so many stories so many people that she worked with that uh, was really a good good uh, panel discussion with Beverly. Then the next thing up, again being a Harryhausen fan, the fact they showed this I had to be there it could not be seen walking out of the next film Sinbad and the Eye 
the tiger. And uh, that featured our next panel, our next guest, Patrick Wayne. Yeah. Now, Sinbad the Eye Tiger, not I would not one of my favorite Harryhausen films, but I have like ways of rating Harryhausen films. And what I call Sinbad the Eye Tiger and his last film, Clash of Titan, they're great Harryhausen films, but they're not necessarily great movies. In other words, Sinbad the Eye Tiger has a ton of stop motion animation. Okay. And it's really and it's really if you go back and look through his all of his films, his creatures were always like set pieces and you know, they were they came in and they left kind of deal. Maybe well, first men in the moon. I'm just remembering that I'm I'm kind of wrong about this because first in the men had this, but really in Sinbad the Eye of Tiger, he really brought in creatures as characters. Right. With the baboon and with Trog, they were like characters in the movie, which were more in you know, part of the plot and part of the story, not just here's a monster, we're going to fight it, and then it's going to be gone. Right. They were part of the story. This you know the baboon for the whole movie, and there, so there's a ton of animation. But, um, you know, some of the, the acting, like the, the, the villain, Margaret Whitting, is a ham, and Patrick Wayne is kind of woody. So it was kind of, and there's, there's some long stretches of the movie where there's not a lot going on when they're in the valley with Melanthius and all that. So, but it was fun watching it with a crowd. It was fun seeing those set pieces once again that I love. And, um, and that was a good time. And then uh, the next thing up was Patrick Wayne and his presentation. 82 years old, and he's still handsome as could be. And just a real another really nice guy. I was surprised at how nice he was with the crowd and his stories, and he very sharp for his age, and um, and just had a good talk. And I, I told uh, Steve Turek uh, later on, I said, you know, after I met Patrick Wayne and saw his panel, you know, I used to think of him as the worst Sinbad, but now I think of him as the third best Sinbad. <laughs> 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 and I was, I was looking, I was looking around, make sure he wasn't there to hear my, my comment, my uh, backhanded uh, compliment there. <laughs> wow, Kenny! Wow. <laughs> but yeah, he he did impress me, and I and. Uh, later on, during the uh, during the bash, I was I went to he was seated right seated right next to Caroline Monroe, and I went and I got her a picture, and then I went and got a picture with him as well, and I got a picture, and I told him, uh, I just told him, you know, I have to I have to get a picture of you, and with Jane Seymour, and have you sign that, because if I tell my wife, and my daughter that I met Patrick Wayne, they're gonna go who's that, and I'll say that's the son of John Wayne. And then they'll say, who's that? And then I'll have to say, well, you know what? He kissed Dr. Quinn. <laughs> and, oh, they'll be excited about that. So I got a picture of him with uh, Jane Seymour, and he signed that for me. <laughs> I got a nice picture of him with me, and I had a little chat with him. I had just seen one of his movies, one of his westerns, as part of my three-star uh, movie trek I'm on. Um, I saw Comancheros, which was directed by Michael Curtiz, the director of Casablanca. It was his last film. Okay. And it starred John Wayne and Patrick Wayne. Huh. So I had a, I had a little chat with him. And that's when I was like, 
I'm usually kind of shy with the stars. I don't, I feel like I don't, they don't want to be bothered with me and stuff, but I just kind of let that go and just kind of chatted with him. And he was very kind to me. And that's why he's now my third best Sinbad instead of the worst Sinbad. All right. So, (laughs) (laughs) okay. The next thing up was the cake, which, um, Oh, I'm glad they kept some of the, uh, even though they changed location, it sounds like they kept a lot of the traditions. So that's good to know. yeah, yeah, and it was uh, it was, and they did it very fast because I went uh, upstairs to get something, and I came back down. And it took me about five minutes, and the cake was basically gone. <laughs> but wow. I, I was able, I was able to get a slice, and um, it was uh, excellent as usual. And then another one of the things that uh, I like it's kind of a newer tradition is the live game show, and this they had one the night before but it was going to be like at two o'clock in the morning Oof. by the time they got to it and i just i was just not going to make it no <laughs> and i wish i had i love i love these game shows uh this one was the monster mash match game and um and i'm hoping what i'm seeing with this is like the future of the monster bash because it's run by this guy tom shibula uh-huh. who was the guy who uh, uh presented the mexican monster movie a uh, younger guy and then another guy who's, uh, you all, you'll, he's uh, very popular at the bash. His name's Leonard Hayhurst, and um, and and they put on a really good show, and um, a lot of energy, a lot of fun, and um, and as you know, Ron and the other bashers get up in age, I can see those guys carrying on the torch, and they, and it would it would continue to be fun and great the bash now this monster uh match game they had the music from the original 70s show and they had a panel and the panel was uh the horror host count dracula and karina mr lobo and here we go for the third time caroline monroe and tom shibula okay leonard hayhurst was the uh host and then they pulled up two people from the audience and they basically ran it just like the 70s TV show. If you're familiar with it at all, they give you know a, a funny comment, and then there's a blank, and they fill in the blank, and it was very funny. They, they had a, Some of the answers were obvious, but some of the fans they brought up didn't know <laughs> what being a monster kid was about. And then, you know, Caroline, she was throwing out all this British stuff, you know, that was, it was like, what does that even mean? You know, because it's like these English words. But it was a lot of fun. And Mr. Lobo is a hoot. Oh, and, he's and, great. And, yeah. and Crown Dracula. Um, yeah, I had never seen him do a show, host a show or anything, but he was fun. And um, it was a really good time. And I was there. I wanted to be, I always want to get up on front. I don't have a problem. I have a problem talking one on one, but in a crowd, no problem. Get me up there. But no one—they didn't pick <laughs> me. So, but I enjoyed uh, uh, their loss. having fun. Their loss. Yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed uh, the show. It was very, very fun and good. Uh, the, and that reminds me, one of the things that didn't happen, which was kind of a disappointment for me, because one of my all-time favorite things, again from the very first bash, they've had this tradition, and that's the uh, Tom Weaver quiz show. And Tom Weaver could not make it, so they didn't do the quiz show. Oh. And I was kind of bummed about that because I've I've always managed to get on the stage for that, and I've always been able to make a fool out of myself or get one point from winning, you know. But I I love doing that quiz show, and um, 
and they didn't we weren't able to do that because Tom didn't come that's too bad and I was thinking if you had told me I could have done it <laughs> right I'd love to I'd love to be a game show host <laughs> okay so the next thing up was the drive-in theater which they did not do outside they had some problems with electricity and so they did it inside it, was it uh, terror from beyond space Ooh, and nice. it was kind of fun to watch in with a crowd and then the big midnight event so uh, of course that includes giving out rewards and uh Mr. Colton, I can't remember his first name. David, David Colton. David, David Colton from the Rondo Awards was there, and he gave a Rondo Award to uh, the artist Mark Maddox, who had a booth there whose art is just fantastic and um, well-deserved prize, best artist of the year. Mm -hmm. They gave an award for Mr. Lobo as the best horror host, or was it, I don't know, maybe it was something else, but he won a award. Favorite horror host, I think. No, he was Hall of Fame. He went in the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He got yeah. in the Hall of Fame, and he gave a really nice speech. It was kind of... Which was... means he has his award, and I still don't have my plaque. Mm. <laughs> David really Colton, nice. do you hear me? <laughs> I mean, he hasn't sent it to you yet. It's really nice looking. <laughs> no, he hasn't sent it to me yet. So, uh, Oh, my goodness. I thought you'd have it by now. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyways. <laughs> nope, not jealous Wait. or bitter at all. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> But that, so that was neat, and then uh, and also Frank Delistrito, he won for the best book of the year. Good with the with the Mummy book. So uh, um, so that was neat, and they all had nice little speeches. And then uh, the Fourier Award was given to the Tom Shabula, who I was mentioned earlier. Oh, well, that's and cool. He has also he also wrote a book, and I picked up that book. Um, it's about the nineteen sixty six sixty seven TV season when everything was in color and when Batman and I dream of genie and Star Trek and all these shows that we loved and have been syndication forever mm -hmm. came out and yeah, it's a, and it looks like a really interesting book. And um, so I picked that up from uh, Mr. Shabula who won the only four award this year. And of course they did the uh, one, another one of my favorite traditions, the new the song on the new wine with Bob Pellegrino and uh, I love bellowing out the la, 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 la. <laughs> and then we had fun with that. And then uh, and then the prize toss, uh, I did not get anything really cool. Got a couple of little toys that I left for kids that were there. So, But it was fun being there. And I didn't get hit. So I was not in danger. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's uh, that was Saturday night. Uh, Sunday, uh, I went to the Monster Bash Mass. Uh, you know, the, the priest that does that is a super Bella Lugosi and Conrad Brooks fan. <laughs> he has every Conrad Brooks movie on <laughs> on DVD. Oh, wow. And, um, and um, always inspiring uh, Father Mike, and it was a, it was a good time, too, uh, there. And after that, they showed nothing but, uh, you know, several movies. There was no more panel discussions, no more real events, so... I kind of just hung out, and I, I spent some time with the B-movie casters. The groups that were kind of formed were uh, like uh, podcasters. So we had Christopher Page, um, and then we had uh, Scott and Tracy, and then Nick Brown from the B-movie cast, and then Steve Turk once in a while. I saw him around there. So I spent some time just talking with them. I spent some time talking with our friend Steve Turek. But I really felt like... We were missing both you and Mary Rotolo because you guys kind of get us organized. You know, there was no 
no one was playing. Uh, I was like, and I, I was going. I was thinking to myself, why doesn't someone start a game of the classic five? And this little voice in my head says, well, you could have done it. I'm like, oh, thanks, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but it's like there was we we were lacking that leadership that and then you know Mary uh-huh. always you know puts the party together. You know, we're gonna all go out to eat and invites everybody. But it was kind of, and Nick uh, Brown was running a table. So he was at the table a lot, but I I spent some time. Of course, I went through the uh, dealer's room several times. The thing about this new site is the dealer's room. Apparently, they have the same amount of people, but they the same amount of tables. But it's really compacted the space. You just walk in, and you feel like this is a lot smaller than the other one. But Nick said it's the same amount of tables. They're just we're just closer together. Huh. And um. But uh, and there were some people missing, like uh, our friend Juan Ortiz. Um, he sent his stuff, but then he uh, fell down ill, and his family, and so he could not come. So he sent a friend of his that's always at his table with him. He came and was uh, helping Juan by uh, selling his stuff. And um, there were some other people that I felt oh, I wish to, I always miss this person, I miss that person. There was one guy who has tons and tons of magazines and FMs and stuff, and he. And he also plays on the Monster Bash band, but he didn't come. But uh, there were some other newer people and things. And I didn't buy too much stuff in the dealer room. I kind of did everything right at the beginning and got really what I really wanted. But um, I had some uh, some stuff that's like, oh, I want this. I want this. And what they had, one of the things I most wanted was there's a Guanji that's made by Star Ace Toys. And um, they're being promoted by the Ray Harryhausen Foundation, and that thing was beautiful, two hundred fifty bucks. I think not yet, not yet. But then I thought later on. I told my wife and daughter. I said, all the money I spent to get there and do this, I could have bought three or four of them things. You know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, because everything's you know the food and everything was was more expensive. The the hotel's nice. Um, very very nice and, and um, but the, its location is really nice and if you like to walk they have some beautiful trails that kind of go through the woods and past some um, you know, like Westinghouse um, office buildings and stuff but they're re- it's really a nice place but it's kind of hard to get to any other kind of uh, restaurants walking okay you know you have to you kind of have to drive or walk quite a distance to get to like a Cracker Barrel and a little set of restaurants that there were but um I ate some at the restaurant at the hotel, but it was really expensive, so don't want to complain too. But that was my bash experience, and um, oh, another highlight of the of the month. It was kind of a bittersweet highlight, right near where the guest the guest room was. They had set up a table, and it was an honor of a monster basher named Malcolm Giddens. Now, Malcolm uh. Giddens is a fan artist and he's won a rondo for fan artists i think a, a number maybe two or three times mm-hmm. and um he had a Fourie award as well very faithful monster basher on my first monster bash that i went for the full time 2010 he had put out a word that he wanted a roommate to help defray the cost of the hotel room and i jumped on that and i i didn't know the guy madam i said i'll i'll do that and so I roomed with him my first Monster Bash, and um, we became friends. And every Monster Bash he was there, well, he passed away this past year. And but his daughter came 
and she looks just like him. You know, the the facial expressions, the eyes, and everything. And she had set up his some of his paintings and some of his memorabilia and stuff. And I was able to talk with her, and we shed some tears together because I miss Malcolm. I miss Bob and Malcolm, you know, because they're not with us anymore. And I missed you. And there was just as many people missing as there were there as far as people that I wanted to talk with, you know. A number of the B-movie casters that I loved to, to talk with didn't come. And um, I had one, the only interesting thing with the Monster Kid Radio, uh, you know, Steve Turek was there, and of course, still caught in tracing, and we talked a little bit about stuff. But there's one guy came out to me, and he goes, I recognize your voice. <laughs> and I looked at his thing, I can't remember his name. We He talked briefly, he, he left, and I don't think, I don't know if he was just there for, a day or what, and I didn't see him again. So I, I think huh. he was just there for a short time, and I don't—I can't tell you who it was, but he recognized me from my segments. And he might be a Twitch guy, I don't know. But um, if you remember saying that to me, let me know who you are, so maybe we can get more time. Now, I was another thing I was hoping that would happen, and I, I knew that Mark Maskey had gone to the bash on occasion. And I was hoping he would have been there. I would have liked to meet, chat with him as fellow segment producers, and we have something else in common that um, I think it would be fun to meet him and and become friends with him. But he wasn't there either. So, but the people that were there and the things that happened, the traditions um, made it worthwhile. And I had a good time at the bash. I. <laughs> I left you speechless. <laughs> I'm jealous. I mean, I just, I, I like, I like everybody there, you know, and, and I miss, I miss it. And I didn't even think about the fact that Malcolm wasn't going to be there. Cause he was, he was a pretty unassuming guy, but he was so hard to miss because his love was for this stuff was so big. And wow. I didn't even think about, that is so not. I'm, I'm kind of blown away that they have something set up for him. That's that's really sweet. It's really sweet. Yeah. But uh, I, I I had Malcolm on the show briefly uh, during a Monster Bash episode. He was actually the first guy that I had record um, mm -hmm. for that bash. So he's he's on an, an episode of MKR at one point uh, in the archives. You might be able to find him. But also, I just miss the whole thing. I. I'm at a point in my life right now where financially I'm not very well off. So I don't have the money to go to these big events unless they're like within a half hour driving distance or something. So I'm grateful that you're willing to come on the show and kind of do a recap and not just because I didn't know what I was going to run this week, but <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're like, well, I can do this. Like, yeah, let's do it. Um, mm -hmm. But, but be able to share some of that stuff and, you know, between talking to you, Kevin Slick's photos, uh, and of course the the Monster Bash Facebook presence, Christopher Page, Scott and Tracy, Steve Turek, some other people that I'm sure I'm I'm not remembering right now, posting all over Facebook and social media about what was going on. Um, I get just a touch of it, just a t like a whiff of Monster Bash, <laughs> even though I wasn't able to be there. So yeah, I I was I was fighting to it's like. Part of me wanted to just be sending you stuff. Oh, look, 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 look. And, that's, you know, every time I saw a creature from the Black Lagoon thing, here, look at this, look at this. And I was like, 
I don't know if this will be, he'll like this or not. He'll be like, I want that. I can't have it. I want that. I can't have it. No, no, I would have loved it. I would have loved it. I would have loved it. So I, I, was like, loved it. I was like, mm, uh, and there's so much creature from the Black Lagoon stuff, man. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, it's models a, and everything. You know, I <laughs> mean, so popular. <laughs> right. I mean, can you blame? I mean, it's, it's like the best movie ever. So, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, some even say it's better than Godzilla, Steve Turek. Well, you, I'm gonna give you a hint. You're gonna be getting something in the mail, okay? Oh no! So I was thinking of you. You Proof that I was thinking of you. All right. So, um, you have something in common. This is your hint. You have something in common with one of the Adams family, and uh, she shows her love with some artwork, and some of that's coming your way. So, just so you know, Um, and okay. And at my birthday, my birthday and Father's Day just went by, and mm-hmm. my uh, family got me some gifts, and they didn't know I already had one of the things, so I took the new one they got me, and I'm sending that to you too. <laughs> um, a hint, a hint. It's uh, it's got uh, it's got a cat, it's got a cat, and a, a famous icon holding a cat. Okay. So you'll you'll love it, and um, so that's coming your way, and it should be there. Uh, I sent it today, so it should be there in about four days. Well, I will let listeners know as soon as it arrives. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was uh, that was my bash experience, and I'm I'm in debate, you know, with the cost of it and everything, whether I will try to go again. I think it's going to all depend on the guests and on and on I know who's going and who's not going. This year, it was almost like, why am I doing this? At times, I thought that before going, because when you weren't going, and then just hearing that so many people weren't going to go, uh, um, and you know, I've seen Caroline Monroe many times, and Pat, and I've met Patrick Wayne briefly before, but I uh, didn't really have a chance to talk with him or anything, and um, and it just wasn't. Oh, but it was kind of like they really made it a Harryhausen theme monster bash, you know, the picture that they had on it. And it's like. And every year it seems like he does that to me. It seems like Ron is like, we got to get Kenny to come to this thing. Well, let's choose this guest, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so I'm, and I'm trying to get him to get Nancy Kovac. And I met Nancy Kovac at Star Trek Las Vegas uh, two years ago now. And um, another sweetheart, Harry Housen Princess from Jason the Argonauts and Star Trek she was on and she played with Vincent Price and Diary mm-hmm. for a Man Ben, I think that was the one she was in. It was. And, um, and uh, so, and she's going to be, and I talked with her about coming to the bash when I met her, but her agent was like, oh, that's a little town thing. We're not going to go to that. And he was really a snobby guy. But here she's going to go to the Mid-Atlantic Convention, Mid-Atlantic Nostalgic Convention, which is similar to the Monster Bash from all I've heard about it. Sure. And, um, and I'd like... Hey, and and Ron will be there, so I was kind of, you know, Ron's so busy. It's like you feel like you're, you're, you know, you're uh, disturbing him if you talk with him. But I was like, hey, look, Nancy Kovac's gonna be here. Maybe you can talk to her. You know, and he's like, oh, I'll try. You <laughs> know, we'll see what happens. And I've told Steve Turek too, and he, you know, he he's willing to talk to anybody. <laughs> so true. Hopefully now, so if they bring Nancy Kovac to the bash, even though I've met her and I had a nice talk with her actually at the Star Trek convention because no one was really going to see her. Um, but I could not not go for another Harryhausen princess. So that might be the thing that tries me to go. 
but it depends. But I I do love it and do enjoy it. It's you know the prices and stuff is a little bit pricey, but um, I would recommend it especially especially listeners that if you live anywhere near Pittsburgh, I mean if you're driving distance, there is no reason for you not to go. And they're going to have one in October, which promises to be an interesting one. They're going to have uh, the grandson of Ron, uh, Lon Chaney, who's really kept up the uh, the tradition right of his great grandfather and grandfather, um, and um, he's coming. Uh, then they're going to have the uh, family of Shimp Howard from the Three Stooges. Oh wow! They're, and they're going to have uh, Johnny Whitaker from uh, Family Affair, Sigmund and the Sea Monster. Uh, he was in some Dracula TV movie as well that they were promoting, and then uh, and then if you're fans of Second City TV, Count Floyd, he was my second horror host, <laughs> Count Floyd from Second City TV, the Vampire Monkeys of West Mifflin, Pennsylvania, <laughs> and I just I, you know he did several you know they did these ridiculous he captured. Billy Chili Billy from Pittsburgh and this and and just made fun in a in a in a tongue in cheek way uh-huh. and he's going to be there if you're into uh, and it's going to be like a comedy monster comedy uh, themed bash in October and it's going to be at the same hotel and if you're anywhere close or um, you want to go to a bash I would highly recommend it and um, and then if I decide to go in next june well maybe we'll see you there and meet you there and i was really wanting to do something like just kind of chickened out and not having uh but that's like next year i was like i'm so frustrated with myself it's like next year i'm gonna if i go i'm gonna be more proactive and getting people involved and i want to interview people and see what how famous monsters influence their life to make segments on that yeah And just and uh, there was a couple people that I was thinking, oh, if I if there's a girl that comes and used to do uh, things there called uh, named Deborah Painter, and she sure. has she actually had letters in Famous Monsters. I've seen her name in Famous Monsters, and so uh, it's like she'd be a good one. And then the guy who sells Famous Monsters, but he wasn't there. She wasn't there, um, and so I was kind of like, mm-hmm. it's kind of my shyness kind of overcame me, but that's my hope. We can get you to come, but we'll see what happens. Well, listeners, that's a, a good pitch. Uh, you, I, I think you would have a really good time if you went to Monster Bash, and you'd run into people like Kenny and all the others, all the other Monster Kid radio heads, Monster Kid regulars, whatever you want to call them. You know, they're, they're always up for meeting each other and playing a round of the classic five. Kenny. Hey, let's do it. Yeah, it's late. I mean, you didn't, let's do it. <laughs> you didn't get a chance to do it at the bash. I've got uh, the bash specific deck. I've oh, got the questions up here on my screen. Perfect. You ready to play around with the Classic Five? Sure am. For listeners who don't know, the Classic Five is a game that we play on Monster Kid Radio and sometimes in person at Monster Bash, where I have a deck of cards. Each one of these cards has a this or that. Which movie do you prefer? Style question on them. There are no wrong answers. It's just a way to get Monster Kids talking about their favorite topic, monster movies. Kenny, let's play a round of the Classic Five. Let's do it. All right, this comes from the Monster Bash exclusive deck, which you can only get if I ever do make it to a Monster Bash and I'm selling them at the table. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Vincent Price or Boris Karloff? 
Vincent Price, wow. That that used to be easy for me with Boris Karloff coming up on top. Yeah. But I've really grown to love Vincent Price. And I think one of the aspects of that is reading uh, Victoria Price's biography about him, mm. knowing the fullness of his life and how he was involved with art and cooking and this, and this was a genuinely great person, not just a movie star. And I know that Karloff has the same uh, reputation mm-hmm. as a person, you know, and an animal lover and just a gentleman in all ways. And I, and you know, I, it's the movies go back and forth, but um, really, like the, the, the films, Doctor Fives, Theater of Blood, uh, his Poe films for Vincent Price. Um, right now, and again, depends on what day you ask me. Depends what movie I watched last. Right now, I think that Vincent Price would take the cake for me if I was to go to a Monster Bash and they were at the same age and and I had the choice, I had to choose between one or the other. I think right now I'd rather sit and talk with Vincent Price. I love them both, but I would have if I had to make that choice today, it would be mm-hmm. Vincent Price. Now, if I see a good Boris Karloff movie. You know, or read it, or maybe I need to watch the uh, play again on Karloff or something. Maybe I would change, but right now, today, it's Vincent Price. How about well, you? There are no wrong answers, of course. Um, <laughs> I think for the same reasons, I've got a connection to Vincent Price through his daughter. Victoria is amazing. You know, I, I call her a friend and, uh, I think, I think, yeah. I mean, no, no slight on Karloff. I love Karloff, but yeah, Vincent Price is just—he was special. He was an amazing person, and uh, yeah. yeah. So that's where I'd go to. Another another thing that that really pushes me to Vincent Price almost on a hundred percent level is his connection to noir. Yes, I'm a huge noir fan, and he was in various film noir films. And um, now another thing, I just uh, this popped in my head. I just watched a Vincent Price movie. The most unconventional Vincent Price is in this movie. Movie. It was a World War II movie called oh. uh, "The Eve of Saint Mark." Okay. And in Leonard Maltin's review, he says, you know, it's one of his best roles. So I was really excited to see this. And it was basically a, you know, young guy at home gets drafted in the army, he gets in the army, and there one of the soldiers with this guy is Vincent Price. And he plays like a southern gentleman who's quoting poetry. He's being Vincent Price. He's being Dr. Fives. He's being the guy in Theater of Blood because he's just like quoting and spouting poetry in the middle of the war. And he starts out shaven, but they're stuck and you know there's their artillery group so they have you know their big cannon their howitzer and they're taking care of that but they get stuck and they're trapped and so they all start growing beards and so by the end of the movie he looks like vincent price you know with his beard and mustache and and it, and it and it was a great performance in a movie that you just wouldn't think this is a vincent price movie it was a it was a propagandistic war movie and he was fantastic in it 
And I just watched that two day, two or three days ago. And um, so those are extra points for him, you know, and especially the fact that he was in some very key noirs like Lauer, um, you know, and, and fantastic in those as well. So Vincent Price is my man. Right on. All right, uh, card number two. Uh, what has been your favorite Monster Bash purchase, not including a deck of the Classic Five? <laughs> well, honestly, I've never, I've never forked out for a deck of Classic Five because I don't have anyone to play with. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I don't know any Monster Kids except you and the guys that already have their decks. <laughs> Anyways, um, let me think. My favorite Monster Bash purchase. I'll give you a nice gap so you can edit my thinking out. Oh, my goodness. What was my favorite Monster Bash purchase? Wow, that's tough. You know what You know where, what I got at Monster Bash? Hmm. What I got because of Monster Bash? I'm going to say this. I didn't actually purchase it at Monster Bash, and I can't really remember a specific thing that I bought that I'm like, oh, I'm... I bought this at Monster Bash and I'm glad I did type of thing. Most of the things I've bought there have been movies that I've watched and then that was good. I'm glad I saw that. Now I'm ready to give it away to somebody. Um, I haven't found a lot of keepers. Um, but one film I bought because of Monster Bash and has become a favorite of mine and I've grown to love it because I was forced myself to watch it probably a hundred times and that is Santo versus the Martian invasion. Oh, and I know that's a particular favorite of yours, man. Yeah, and what and that, that was the first film that I sat with you on a Monster Kid radio and talked mm -hmm. about, and that was not during Lucha de Mayo, that was somewhere in the middle of your year before you even started Lucha de Mayo. Mm -hmm. But the thing is with that movie, um, what was I was in the Monster Bash, I did something my little story, I decided I was, and I don't know where I got this idea and why I decided to do this. I can't remember why I decided to do this. I, the, my first bash, and I knew they were doing these Mexican monster movies, and I told Ron Adams, who I barely knew, just through the internet, and I said, you know, I could come on and, and like, pretend that I'm a wrestler and speak in Spanish, because I'm fluent in Spanish, living in Mexico, and just do something fun. Yeah. And, and, and then he said, yeah, sure, that's fine. So and that and that was the end of that, <laughs> and and so I bought a mask, a, a mask, and I bought. And I was looking to get a whole uniform, but it was really hard to find. And what I found, like boots, were really expensive. So I said, "Well, I'll just, I'll be a you know cheesy wrestler." And I made I made a special shirt with the Santo on it, and he was holding the head of uh, a Gort because it was a, a alien invasion special <laughs> monster bash, and I and I got up on the stage during the introduction of the monster Mexican monster movie and I just started ranting in Spanish and I think Juan was there and he was like translating for me and it was like everyone was surprised Ron I told Ron I was going to do it but I didn't tell him is it okay am I still okay you know I'm going to do this I went into the bathroom put on all this stuff and just jumped on the stage and just started ranting in Spanish <laughs> and and complaining about how the 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 monster the aliens space aliens they're not going to be able to you know the american heroes cannot defeat the space aliens like my dad santo and i was santa tito which means teensy weensy santo the 13th <laughs> son of santo uh says my mother 
but um, he de- <laughs> he denies it. But my mother says that I am the son of Santo the Thirteenth one. So, anyways, and I just made a whole thing about it. Then I did the next year. It was the vampire Dracula one, and I did a PowerPoint, and I was like <laughs> really telling the people in Spanish, and Juan was translating for me how the people, you know, the vampire hunters in England and, and the United States are terrible. And, you know, and there's only, you know, the best vampire hunter is Santo. And I had like a PowerPoint and I was showing, you know, the wimpy uh, Edward Van Sloan and the skinny as a rail Peter Cushing. And I was like, these are your vampire hunters? Look at this. And then at the end I says, and now America has a major problem. And I put up a picture of uh, Edward or whatever the guy's oh, name is. The no. Twilight movies. Oh, no. Said, Who's going to deal with these guys? And the last picture is me is Santo and and he's like holding his hand out and he has uh Edward's head it's like he's ripped out his head you know and the spine all together and there's little black x's where the eyes are at and it's oh, like and this is the king of vampires and then the next year the next year I made a stinking movie now you've seen that yeah uh, Santo contra the beast nieto de Guanji the Santo versus the great grandson of Guanji, and I combined Santo with Guanji. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't even know how I even had time to do that. All the, it was like special effects extravaganza using After Effects and in, in a computer, and and I I put this thing together. Had a blast, and then that was all in Butler, Pennsylvania. They moved to Mars, Pennsylvania. So the next one was Monster Bash is in Mars. Yep. I said, I got I to gotta find a Santo movie in Mars oh, or something. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I found this movie, and I said, Ron, can this be our movie? He said, yes. Well, I, I don't, I'm going to dub it for you. And I did a special Monster Bash dub. I did all the sound myself. I did most of the voices. I had Ron and his wife and daughter do some of the voices. But I did all the voices. I was changing and modulating it electronically and changing my voice. And I had a blast, but I had to watch that stinking movie like 50, 60, 100 times. I don't know how many times. And, I, and I, <laughs> it was it was a blast. I don't want to go through all the details, but it was just fun figuring out ways to make it. And I think it came out pretty good. I, I, I enjoy watching it myself, my own dub. And it's funny. I didn't just do a straight up dub. I changed all the names to be Monster Bashers. Yep. And I put in little jokes here and there where they were appropriate. Like there was this sound that they use every time they would beam in and out. It was like, wah, 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 wah. but then they would forget to use it at times. And it's like, why did they stop using it? So I put them back in at every place, you know. And then if a guy was looking at one of the Martian girls, I would throw that in. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like uh, uh, Wayne's World, you know, when they go swing, you know, so it was like, yep. wah, 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 wah. <laughs> so, and I just was having fun with the thing. And that, so I purchased that movie from from one, not at the bash, but before the bash, but because of the bash. Gotcha. I know that was a long answer to no, a I, simple and, question. And that's but what that's this my, is about, though, you know? That's that's my connection to the bash. That, that And I kind of lost it when 2014, I had a major life issue. Or I was released from the job I was in. And, the, and things, I had a really crazy year, 2014, and um, I kind of got away from being involved with the bash. And hopefully someday I can get 
more involved again. But thanks to you, I can be bashing all year long. Thanks to you. I can I can be with Monster Kid Radio. It's like a mini bash every single week, and I can participate with my FM segments every week. Thanks to you, and I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, my, yeah, I know we're completely off topic, but when I won the forty, and I was like, uh, I don't know what to say. You know, you hopped up on stage and like you grabbed the mic and you started <laughs> telling people about Monster Kid Radio. I was like, that was awesome. So thank you. That's that's one thing I've learned. It's it's hard to uh, talk about yourself or or raise support for yourself or anything, mm-hmm. but when a friend needs help or when a friend needs praise it's easy to do and i it was my pleasure to get up there and tell people why aren't you listening to monster pass i mean monster kid radio if you love monster pass you gotta be listening to monster kid radio (laughs) (laughs) all right question number three favorite classic 3d movie favorite classic 3d movie you know what mine is i mean uh yeah yeah creature on the black Creature on the Black Lake, something like that. Yeah, um, a, the monster from the the Dark Lake or something. <laughs> Favorite three D movie. I've not seen that many in three D. I think I did watch that once with the red blue glasses, the Creature from the Black Lagoon. But yeah, I would I would say off the top of my head of the three D classic three D movies, I would have to say that Creature. It would be the the favorite. I've I've had a couple of viewings of It Came from Outer Space lately. Oh yeah, and I wanted I would hopefully, if you could get me away from Mexico, I would like to do that sometime with you, and have the great Who's Better, Julia Adams or Barbara Rush. Oh, because because I'm in love like with a Barbara, challenge. Uh, I'm in love with Barbara Rush. All right, all right. <laughs> so of the universal 50s girls who's better but, but anyways so but i like that movie but um but creature you know i think and i think it would be better in 3d i think i, I think i saw house of wax in 3d once Ooh, i remember seeing yeah. the paddle ball scene um <laughs> so 3D. silly but i love it yeah but to me that movie isn't that good as a movie but of uh, but in Creature from the Black Lagoon, I really like. I, I like it came from outer space, but I think the 3D isn't as prominent. So if it's like 3D, you know, clawed hands coming out at you, then the Creature from the Black Lagoon. Sure. Okay. All right. Let's see. Um, favorite classic, excuse me, classic monster movie you'd show as part of a double feature with King Kong. King Kong. Double feature of King Kong. Uh, that they they do this all the time, but this a triple feature. But I would skip Son of Kong and go with Mighty Joe Young. Yeah. Okay. And I, I, the reason I think if you love King Kong, then the Mighty Joe Young Young is kind of the sim is very similar in story and everything. But you also get a sense at the advancements that they make. Now, King Kong is fabulous, and it's painted backgrounds and the the glass paintings and all that. Perhaps you know it was made it very expensive to do in 1949 when they made Mighty Joe Young. But Mighty Joe Young, the, the animation 
and the amount of animation in Maddie Joe Young is tremendous. I mean, there's a ton of animation in that movie. And, um, and I just think, you know, it's like seeing the giant ape and then seeing Mighty Joe Young and his involvement with the people around him. You know, I, I mentioned, uh, you know, the, the creatures as characters and I forgot about Mighty Joe Young totally, but that is a character. He is a character in that movie. And, um, and, 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 and it was fabulously an, animated by Ray Harryhausen and, uh, Willis O'Brien and Pete Peterson, but mainly Ray Harryhausen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I think that would be a good double feature. Maybe it might be too much ape for people, but if you love King Kong, you'll love Mido Joe Young too. <laughs> <laughs> too much ape. <laughs> Can you have too much ape? <laughs> Can you watch 24 hours of wrestling movies? <laughs> can well, you watch 24 hours of I, Can you watch the three creature of the movies in a row? I well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would you watch them from in reverse order so you get the best, save the best for last? Oh, I haven't really thought about doing that. Interesting. Huh. Yeah, we were talking before we started recording about how everything's prequels these days. So I wonder how that would play, you know, it's a prequel <laughs> and then the prequel to prequel. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Um, let's see here. Well, speaking of apes. <laughs> What's your favorite man and ape or man and gorilla suit movie? Man and ape. Does that include planet? It can. All right, then that's it. <laughs> Fun of the apes. Yeah. I, 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 the first thing that comes to the mind is like, you know, Gorilla at Large, Raymond Burr, or Murs in the Rue Morgue. But, you know, if you're if you really talking, you know, and, okay, so they're wearing outfits but julius the jailkeeper that's a full-on gorilla suit he just yeah. has a little like a tunic on a little uh sleeveless tunic so he that's a gorilla suit so yeah planet of the apes is so fabulous i i, I was uh in the 70s there was a time like when planet of the apes was big battle of the planet of the apes came out and then it was so big that they made a show and I was at the perfect age, 9, 10, 11 years old, to be a Planet of the Apes fan. And uh, that lasted about a year. I had like different fandoms. I was always monsters, but then, you know, Planet of the Apes came in, Star Trek, and then Star Wars. And that, you know, and so, but, the, but the, there was a time where it was like Planet of the Apes. And the original Planet of the Apes is just, I just love that movie. Again, it's, music. It's fantastic. And, yeah. And, and, and the and the scene where they the the hunt scene or the when he escapes oh. from the jail the you know, the music and the yeah. action it's so well directed and it's fabulous and then the moving ending and not just the you know the very very ending but the uh, the speech that Doctor Zayas gives to him you know at the end you know you're not you won't like what you find you know and it's just all that section at the end is just fabulous the yep. whole thing. Yeah, I love that movie. I I agree with you. It's fantastic. It's one that I'd like to show Beth, but I know that she's seen the more recent Planet of the Apes, and I don't know. I don't know. It's something I feel like I need to work up to with her. I'd love to share those with her because I love them so much. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I bring that up, listeners, because Kenny and I were talking before this recording about 
what movie I'm going to show Beth next. And um, so, so taking suggestions and advice from folks, there's a new telephone number, by the way, stay tuned for that because I got to let people know about what happened with the phone number and all that for Monster Kid Radio. So anyway, that's a totally different topic. Was that question number four or five? Say we did Vincent Price, Boris Karloff thing that I bought. Um, King Kong, Apes. Well, that was five, but tell me what we'll do. One more, just for fun. Uh, what, yeah. what two classic science fiction movies would make the perfect movies. double feature? Science fiction, did you say? Yep, two classic sci-fi movies, which would make the perfect double feature. Well, I was. I'm going to say the word blessed to be around and. 12, 13 years old, in 1978, 14 years old, 1978, after Star Wars came out, and that was the big thing, MGM released all of those George Powell classics, along mm. with Forbidden Planet, The Time Machine, uh, well, Time Machine's George Powell, but uh, War of the Worlds, George Powell. There was another one that wasn't George Powell, but you know, Forbidden Planet was in the mix. And... And of all those, seeing those on the big screen and just beautiful prints, you know, I'm going to say for me, as science fiction wise, Forbidden Planet and War of the Worlds. Ooh, that's good. I just those are just so the colors, the the music, the action, the special effects. Um, there, that those two are. Of of those classics that they had, because they would have you know Time Machine and War, uh, When Worlds Collide, and um, and those two, there was two others that were out around that time. I can't remember, but uh, but the, those were the fabulous ways to see those in the movie theaters. Eugene, Oregon, with my buddies, my Monster Kid buddies, and um, nothing like seeing them on the big screen when you're watching them normally on TV with commercials and all that. Yeah. yeah, it couldn't be beat. And those, and those two, if I say uh, to my daughter, if I'd say, "Hey, I want you to experience something I experienced when I was a kid," come see these two movies in the movie theater with me. Those are the two I choose: Forbidden Planet and War of the Worlds. That sounds amazing. Well, with that, we'll put away the classic five. We'll wrap up this recording, and once again, thanks, Kenny, for doing this and spending some time with us here talking about the monster bash and sharing his experiences here. Um, you know, like I said, I'm lucky that I've got so many friends that are willing to share their experiences. I'm just lucky I've got so many friends period that are into this kind of stuff. And monster bash is where you're going to make those friends. If you haven't been there, highly recommend you get there. Just you, you will not be disappointed. See if you can find a promo. I think he has, he has a promo out there for the, the October bash. Yeah, Free if he does. Yeah. <laughs> no, if he does, you know. Mm. Classic monster movie fans from across the nation have their sights set on Monster Bash. This October 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2022. It's the gathering of fans and professionals from every state for the event of a lifetime. It's a celebration of horror and science fiction films with a special spotlight on the greatest horror comedies of all time, like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Hold on to your hats. Look at this guest of honor lineup. Ron Chaney, grandson of Lon Chaney. The Three Stooges, Shemp Howard family. SCTV's Count Floyd, Joe Flaherty. 
From Family Affair and the Mystery in Dracula's Castle, Johnny Whitaker. From The Andy Griffith Show and The Little Shop of Horrors, Jackie Joseph. The original co-writer and zombie from Night of the Living Dead, John Russo. Zombie walker Jeremy Ambler from AMC's hit TV show, The Walking Dead. Monster Muppeteer Emmy Award-winning Bill Diamond. TV horror host Son of Ghoul, Drac and Countess Corita, and more. Meet and chat with all the guests. Enjoy an almost non-stop film festival, life-size monsters, and shop over 100 vendor tables of the rarest monster movie collectibles, monster magazines, DVDs, Blu-rays, T-shirts, and everything classic monsters. Quick, get on board with monster movie fans from across the nation at Monster Bash, October 14th through the 16th, 2022, at the Marriott Pittsburgh North. Autumn's creepy classic festival of stars, vendors, and fans just like you. Get all the details right now at monsterbash.us. That's monsterbash.us. Or call 724-238-4317. Discover Planet of the Apes. A civilization where humans run wild in the jungles. And the superior beings are apes. Tribunal has placed you in my custody for final disposition. Do you realize what that means? No. Emasculation to begin with. Then experimental surgery on the speech centers, on the brain. Then a kind of living death. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. Big thanks to Kenny and Mark for being part of this week's show. I love having segments for the show. I know we didn't get Kenny's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland, but whenever he sends that in, that's an important part of the show as far as I'm concerned. The Beta Capsule Review, that's awesome as well. And, you know, we've had other segments in the past as well, other contributors, Jerry Green and Dr. Tong. Just whenever we have a new segment added to the mix, it just makes the show that much more rich. So... If you're a producer of any kind, a content producer, or want to contribute something to Monster Kid Radio, well, drop me an email at monsterkidradio at gmail.com. I'd love to throw you into the mix and help make Monster Kid Radio better by including your voice and your content with this show. Because this show really is about the Monster Kid community. As much as I love what I do, and I love kind of steering conversations and getting guests on and doing interviews and things like that, my favorite part of this is the community that is built up around this it's my favorite part of monster batch and you know the guests sound awesome i still haven't met carolyn monroe myself and the land of the lost thing talking to kenny made me realize how much i really would have liked to have met those people i was a little down on it to be honest with you when i first heard about it because i'd met her before at a comic con many many moons ago and it was like eh, okay whatever but hearing kenny recount his experience about interacting with the two of them and getting in the raft and doing the all that I even went on YouTube to see if I could find like a commercial for Land of the Lost so I could play the audio here on this episode of the show. I couldn't find anything, but I watched so many clips of just like the intro to the song. And just hearing the banjo, just hearing that just gets me thinking, man, I did love that show when I was a kid. And it would have been awesome to get in the raft with everybody and just do the photo. Oh, how cool would that have been, man? Ah, uh, but as much as I missed that, 
What I really missed is just seeing my friends, seeing the community that's built up around it. And my favorite part of Monster Bash or any convention that I go to where Monster Kid Radio is kind of a thing is when I get to meet people that I've never interacted with before because I just get to add you to my mental Rolodex of friends because, you know, we're all friends here. So anyway, if you get a chance to go to a Monster Bash or any monster convention, any convention really, let your freak flag fly and meet some new friends, build that community, and just see what happens. I'll tell you what happened for me. I built a podcast. Take that back. I helped build a podcast with you. So thank you for listening and thank you for being part of the show. If you have any feedback for the show, monsterkidradio at gmail.com is the way to do it. You can send me an email. We'll have the Monsters in the Machine read it aloud on the show. Or you can call and leave a voicemail, 360-524-2484. What's coming up next week on the show? Well, I already kind of alluded to it. I've had some audio sent to me from the bash, courtesy of listener Mike R. And I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but I'm going to go through and hopefully... Fingers and tentacles crossed, you're going to hear Carolyn Monroe at Monster Bash next week here on the show. You can find out everything you need to know about Monster Kid Radio over on our website at monsterkidradio.net, where we got links to our Facebook page, Facebook group, Twitter, Discord, Reddit, Patreon. It's all there. Even if we don't get a lot of activity going on places like Reddit or Discord, it's there for you. And I would love to see these options, these places online to kind of build and build and build and become just places for monster kids to hang out and chat it up about monster movies, you know? So yeah, follow those links as well as any link that you find over there as well that goes to Amazon. Amazon and I, you know, we have a relationship. Okay, not really. I'm an Amazon affiliate, which means if you buy anything from Amazon following any of those links, and it doesn't have to be for the item in question, there is a generic Amazon link of just like the Frankenstein monster silhouette. Just click on that. That'll take you to Amazon. Follow that link whenever you're shopping online. And what happens is, is that everything that you buy from Amazon after following that link, as long as you stay within that browser, that umbrella, so to speak, we get like, 2%, 3%. I don't know what the exact cutoff is, but we get a little bit of the money that would have normally gone to Jeff Bezos and company. So he's already been to space. It's not like he needs any more money or anything like that. What's he saving up for? I'll tell you what I'm saving up for, rent. So uh, if you follow the Amazon affiliate link, you help us out here at Monster Kid Radio and you help me out directly. So thank you so much. I appreciate you uh, for doing that. But then, of course, I just appreciate you for listening and spreading the word. So thank you. All right, that's it. Let's go ahead and wrap up by reminding you that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC for now. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song One Night in 57. That belongs to Chris Yeaworth and the Molten McQueens. They gave us permission, specifically Chris Yeaworth gave me permission to play this song on Monster Kid Radio. You can pick up the album One Night in 57. It's a 13-track album. So there's more music than just One Night in 57. But One Night in 57? Well, when you hear the lyrics, you'll know what it's all about and why we're playing it. My name is Sarah Kim Cook. I'll talk to everybody next week. Ciao. Yeah.
57 something came around The molten meteor came a-crashing down It changed forevermore the face of this sleepy old town It brought horror, chills and laughter all at the same time And 50 years later people still stand in line To run out of the theater being chased by that giant red slime well, it landed out from Chester Springs where no one was around Slowly poked the stick at it, which part turned upside down And it might have died out there, cause there was nothing around left to eat We know it didn't like Pepsi But Steve McQueen drove it into town at a breakneck pace It ain't Stephen Chase and the nurse at old Doc Seuss's place Pretty soon it threatened the entire Oh, yeah, that night in 57 when the moat 